I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Today, CNN officially launched their brand new streaming service, CNN Plus. That's right. With CNN Plus, you can get news from CNN all day at any time. Or as that's also known, CNN. But CNN is actually trying to reach a younger audience with their streaming service, which explains why one show is just Wolf Blitzer playing Fortnite for an hour. <laughs> Check out some of the slogans that they're testing out to get people on board. First up, there's CNN Plus, the airport bar experience right on your phone. <laughs> Next up, there's CNN Plus, the most trusted name in news, according to CNN.com. Yeah. And finally, there's CNN Plus, your daily dose of anxiety, now on mobile. <laughs> His first joke, though, was the obvious thing that everybody wonders. In what way is CNN Plus different than CNN or any other cable news channel that I can get for free? On my phone, I don't, you know, I I take in cable news on my phone all the time. It's not hard to do. Um, This is from CNN Business. CNN introduced CNN Plus. It's going to be $5.99 a month. A subscription streaming service that combines live news coverage. Oh, okay, well, you can't get that many places. On-demand programming and interactive interviews. Well, those are all unique things. Uh, what? I don't yeah. get what it is. If and 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 if you're going to say, well, it's just a better version of CNN. So you're trying to claim that CNN isn't trying as hard as it can right now because it's failing and. There are gazillions of dollars at stake. So, like, are you holding back the good stuff? And you have been all these years. We could do brilliant news coverage. We just haven't been because it's not a subscription service. I mean, that does obviously. If you're not going to give us five ninety nine a month, we're not going to do our best work. I mean, come on, be fair. I don't get what this is. Well, as a guy who takes this stuff in virtually all day long for a living and paid rather well to do so, the idea of more horrifies me. 
<laughs> it sickens me. It feels like a threat, not an offer. Um, I have failed to grasp uh, how successful things could be in the past. Um, I always use the example of uh, our old news girl, Jamie. I, she texted, is the first person I ever saw texting, and I thought, what? she explained to me what texting was. I thought, why would anybody ever do that? And, you know, and quickly you're you're texting all the time and you can't imagine why you'd ever take a phone call. Um, but uh, I'm not the only person that fails to grasp things. I don't think Steve Jobs had any idea the way the iPhone was going to transform the way people live. Um, I remember I bought the very first iPhone. It was marketed as the best iPod you've ever had. It wasn't it wasn't marketed to me of look at all these apps that will control your life and everything that you're going to do with it. I mean, I don't you know, so and uh, Facebook Zuckerberg, it was a rating girls platform. He didn't know what it was going to turn into. Netflix originally was a subscription service to have DVDs sent to your home. They didn't know, you know, off the bat where it was going. So you never know. Where things are going to head, some things, but it's really hard to imagine how CNN and Plus turns out to be something. Well, now the uh, like the Apple and the Facebook examples, if they had uh, marketed it as, wouldn't you like to be a twitchy, anxious, depressed, addicted zombie? Buy our products. It, it wouldn't have taken off. It's true. It's a poor sales pitch. So there's a book coming out called... The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels by a guy named Alec Ooh. Epstein, who is a philosopher and energy expert uh, with a pretty good cred and well-respected. And uh, I was looking at this thing yesterday, 17 surprising facts about energy, and I'm going to hit you with a couple of those. But his update today is, with his book coming out, oh, he's, he's tweeted since the last time I look at it. Um, but the Washington Post has got out a review of his book calling him racist today. That the book is racist. Ah, well, because, when in doubt, call somebody a racist. Yeah, no kidding. Because he is making the case for a while for, look, fossil fuels run the world right now. There's nothing even close to as good at it right now and or on the horizon. So the idea that we're denying some of these uh, developing countries the opportunities to you know, play in the fossil fuel world is ridiculous. And and you could make an argument that that's racist, that you're telling them, no, no, you need to be green in your new country. Oh, right. Sure. Yeah. If you want to have food and medicine and education and paved roads for your people, you're going to have to do it with this incredibly expensive, unreliable technology, as opposed to the dominant and readily accessible technology that the rest of us are still using. But by like a 90 percent. Yeah. And there's a fair amount of that pressure going on, whether it's countries giving you money, you know, the the stipulation with the aid it was like when they built the, built the target in the super lefty progressive town that I live in for target to come in because they didn't allow big box stores. Target had to agree to you got to have a, a ton of electric plug ins for your cars that are always empty. And you have to have 50 different kinds of trash cans for all kinds of different recycling that nobody uses. But you have to play by these rules. That's what a lot of countries and uh, investment firms do with all these developing nations. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, we'll invest money in your country, but you gotta you gotta be on board with green energy. No, none of this fossil fuel crap. Well, the whole rest of the whole world is doing well with fossil fuel, and I'll hit you with some of these stats after we take a little break that are really make the case for why we're we're not even close to the green future people are talking about. 
whether you think it's a good idea or not. I think it is a good idea. I think it'd be awesome. Of course, we're not even at some close. point in the future, yeah. We're not even close to it yet. And some of these stats are, are pretty interesting. So a couple of quick uh, notes before we get a break that you sparked in my mind. Number one, we got this email. Remember last week when we were talking about uh, recycling and how yeah. there's no market for it. It doesn't work. And most recycling stuff just goes to the landfill. I think about that every time I put my plastic <clears throat> bottles in the blue side of the bin. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Uh, we got this note from a listener who was at, I believe it was the Denver airport, sent us a picture of the, uh, <clears throat> the, the, the multi-use receptacle thing with the, you know, landfill, food recyclables, waste. food waste. And I even know which one to put in where it turns out it doesn't matter. Right. There were like three or four, but then they lifted it up and showed us it's all going into one trash. No can. way. No yes. way. No way. It's way. that transparent. It is absolutely, they send me the pictures, I can show them to you. Uh, but the second thing is, it, it took a second for this to dawn on me. The fact that that exists is funny and ironic and just goes to show you how phony the thing is. But wait, friends, that lid was not a craft made in second grade by a child of a Denver airport worker. That was an industrially manufactured, mass-produced article. That's being used. Do you see what I'm driving at? Phony trash can lids that dump into one bag. Fake recycling trash cans are now a thing all over the country. Somebody's making lots of money selling those to airports and And other places. And keeping their mouths shut. Right. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Second... Second thought on the whole third world thing, and I've been meaning to, to, to inject this at some point during the show. Now's as good a time as any. Read an article the other day about how in Afghanistan, China, which never really closed their embassy or anything like that, flooded the zone with bureaucrats and the rest of it, said to the uh, the Taliban, hey, we're more than happy to do business with you. We don't care who you rape. We don't care who oh. you torture. We don't care if you oppress little girls. We're going to help you uh, develop your copper mining and your lithium mining. And lithium is critical to batteries for electric vehicles. So China with zero concern about any human rights, is now in Afghanistan making zillions of dollars, helping the Taliban make zillions of dollars, and exploiting their natural resources. Mm. That's the real world, man. Ain't real pleasant. So some pretty interesting facts about the reality of fossil fuels when we come back. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. NBC News was out with this report. Putin is being misinformed by his advisors about how badly the Russian military is performing and how badly the Russian economy is being crippled by sanctions. His senior advisors are too afraid to tell him the truth. That is uh, what's being reported by NBC News, according to U.S. officials. So, How would they know that? I don't know. Uh, spies? Moles? Mm. Mole spies? Spying moles. It's not surprising, really. Would you want to be the guy that goes in and tells Putin, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, your decisions have devastated our economy. I mean, people are really miserable right now. Oh, no, I'd tell him, hey, everything's going great. My department is humming. And then I would uh, go back to my office and think, okay, how do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? 
And Fox is reporting that the Ukrainian military has made its first offensive move since the whole war started. Like an actual, we're trying to, you know, coordinate an attack. So, there you go. I got an offensive move for you. How do you like this? So this guy, Alec Epstein's got a book out today, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, and uh, he says this. Uh, After 14 years of researching the big picture of energy, environment, and climate, I've learned many facts that the media never mentions, even though very few expert researchers would dispute any of these. These facts permanently changed my thinking about energy, and I'll just hit you with a couple of them, because some of them get really get into the weeds, but a couple of the big picture ones I thought were very interesting. Fossil fuels are uniquely cost-effective. The only form of energy that can provide every type of energy need, electricity, mobility, industrial heat, residential heat, at low cost, on demand for billions of people, are fossil fuels. Hmm. And, as he points out, after a hundred years plus of vigorous competition, because obviously if you could come up with a good alternative, you would become a quadrillionaire. After 100 years of people trying, fossil fuels still provide 80% of the world's energy and 90% of the world's transportation energy. If there were a better way to do it, people would be doing it. But 90% of transportation energy is still fossil fuels. You just have to live in the real world, people. Just accept that that is true. Maybe you don't want it to be true, and it probably won't be true decades from now. But it's going to be true for quite a while, and as long as it is true, we got to produce as much oil as we can and figure out how to get it out of the ground cleanly and transport it and blah, blah, blah. For a number of reasons. I read an essay once. It was years ago, but they pointed out the incredible, the almost mind-boggling efficiency of fossil fuels. Uh, one of the aspects of it was it pointed out, you know, picture uh, like a gallon milk jug full of gasoline, okay? Then I, I could stand next to plenty of them in my uh, closet. Then I get that's 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 smart. Just in case the price goes up again, uh, and then stand next year. I've got a mid-sized SUV, for instance. That gallon you're holding in your hand can make that machine go for 25 miles with four people in it. That's unbelievable, and it only costs thirteen dollars. Well, well gallon under normal gas. circumstances, it costs <laughs> about three. Yeah, it is. That is incredible. So this a gallon of this liquid that costs you two or three bucks. Can take you 20 miles. That is amazing. Or, you know, you buy a more efficient car, you could go 30, 40 miles. Pretty amazing. Um, I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from this stat, but it is impressive. Only a fifth of the world uses what Americans would consider a modest amount of energy. Three billion people. So, you know, we got seven billion people on the planet, so that's a good chunk of them. Three billion people use less electricity than a typical American refrigerator uses. Wow. That's something, isn't it? Talk about a lifestyle difference. Get an air conditioner. Uh, having I'm heckling them. Having researched energy for his entire adult life, he's come to the conclusion, and he says very few would dispute it, nuclear energy is the safest form of energy ever created. Why we aren't, like, I think France is 80% nuclear. Why we aren't like that, I have... Well, I know why, but it's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Three Mile Island and a bunch of hippie musicians from the Woodstock generation who didn't like the sound of nuclear energy. That's why we well, don't have nuclear Chernobyl. energy. Well, and then Chernobyl. I mean, Chernobyl really reinforced that in the Fukushima nuclear power plant. But 
you know, well, the decision and, and, to not be nuclear happened long before Fukushima, and true, a lot of enough, it before Chernobyl, before Chernobyl. Right, right. And there are many reasons to move beyond fossil fuels when we can, in a way that doesn't cause, say, widespread starvation and devastation. Um, I mean, you know, the, the lung cancer and breathing problems and and all the things related to pollution. But those numbers dwarf. Any sort of uh, numbers of people hurt by mishaps at nuclear power plants, 50 million to one. Oh, yeah. It might be 100 yeah. million to one. Yeah, you're right. So you have an accident somewhere, which is very, very unlikely with modern technology, but you, uh, especially if you put your nuclear power plants where they're not going to get hit by a, you know, a tsunami or whatever. Um, so you have however many people get hurt in a nuclear accident compared to all of Los Angeles in the smog and the damage mm-hmm. that it does. Nuclear energy is the safest form of energy ever created. Nuclear energy is the cleanest form of energy ever created. I feel like they're the beginning rumblings of nuclear making a comeback in the United States, but it'll take a long time before it becomes anything. Europe, too, actually, encouragingly. There is no low-cost, scalable way in existence or on the horizon, even, of capturing CO2, even though it's discussed all the time. The anti-fossil fuel green movement claims to want to lower CO2 emissions at all costs, yet opposes the two most proven cost-effective ways of lowering CO2 emissions, nuclear energy and hydroelectric energy. Uh, And I thought this was an interesting one. Climate-related disaster deaths have decreased 98% over the last century. Mm -hmm. No matter what you want to say about the last deadly tornado or hurricane, they have dropped, well, almost 100% over the last century. Um, and I thought this was a good one. Uh, despite claims that the world is too hot, every year has been the hottest year for quite a while, cold-related deaths far exceed heat-related deaths in the world. But you didn't know that. So if you wanted to save the most lives as quickly as possible, you'd heat up the planet by 10 <laughs> Theoretically. And I, I realize there were unforeseen related well, downlines. That's, that's why I took the muffler off my SUV. <laughs> to save lives. To try to raise the temperature of the planet. That's just, you're a giver. Exactly. That's beautiful. Yeah, well, I care. I have yeah. a very big heart, like swollen. Like uh, Taylor Hawkins, like the poor that, drummer from Foo Fighters. Yeah, like that drummer. Although I'm not taking 11 different drugs, so. I, I think, think it was 10. Why do you exaggerate? Is it because you hate? Why do you lie? Is it your greed? Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. You can comment anytime on the text line at 415-295-KFTC. And if you miss an hour of the show, you thought, man, that was really good. I wish I could hear more of this. Uh, you can get other hours on the podcast, which is armstrongandgetty.com. Yeah, somebody might say that or think that. It's, <laughs> it's possible. It's billions of people on Earth. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody hear about this? Hillary Clinton is venturing into community theater. It's true. She will voice the offstage role of the giant in an Arkansas production of Into the Woods. Now, it hasn't happened yet, so let's be careful about getting too excited. Last time Hillary was a shoe-in for something, it did not turn out too well. Um... Breaking celebrity news, Bruce Willis is stepping away from acting because he has something called aphasia, which affects your ability to speak. So he's, Yeah, and write and understand language and stuff like that. Yeah. He's 67. Dang it. Aging sucks. Also, ABC News is reporting what NBC News had a little bit ago. So officials say U.S. intelligence believes Putin is not getting the straight scoop on his military or the economy. ABC News says because... Uh, people are afraid to tell him the truth. Now, whether sure. that's a psyops thing from our own government or actual information straight from, uh, you know, intelligence, I, who knows? It might be an attempt to, to make Putin crazy. You know, uh, two two thoughts. I like that theory. That would be a pretty good thing to promote if you were trying to sow the seeds of uh, discord oh, yeah. no, there. Okay, no. the imagine, imagine if you're told nobody's telling you the truth. Your wife, your kids, your boss, everybody's lying to you. Nobody's telling you the truth. You don't even know what's going on. <laughs> Do I have to raise my eyebrows like that? And make that look boogity, boogity, boogity. Uh, let's see. What's well, going to happen to these people when they find when putin finds out 
That's the problem of living in a system like that. You tell the truth, you might get shot. You uh, don't tell the truth, you might get pushed out a window, no matter what happens. Damned if you do, as they say. Uh, The second thought was that whole idea of people being afraid to speak truth to power, that's the subject of ancient parables. Ancient. Well, Well, that happens in every company I've ever worked for let alone in places where people are afraid you're going to get pushed out a window. So it's it's tough to get the straight scoop from your underlings. Right, right. In the radio ranch is on the fifth floor. So, you know, if, if pushing out windows ever gets, uh, you know, in fashion, that's uh, I'm going to start lying more. Uh, so uh, this will probably be the last time, well, maybe the last time we bring up the uh, Will Smith slapping down Chris Rock thing. But I thought it was worth uh, tossing on. This is um, a, just a, a person, <laughs> some sort of activist woman. This is a uh, person post, posting this video online about how if you're a white person, you absolutely should not comment in any way on the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing. Go ahead, Michael. Why what happened at the Oscars is not something white people need to speak on right away. There is so much nuance and complexity and layers that you will not be able to understand through your white experience without education and listening to specifically black women, which we all know many people don't. So when you share your perspective or your education on what you perceive to have happened last night, it's coming through your white lens, which has you on a place of moral high ground, lacks understanding of black trauma, has such an emphasis on this binary of who is good or who is bad centers violence only actually continues to minimize black women and their pain and most higher situation before you speak on the shiny easy grab because what you fail to see through your white lens was the actual violence occurring the continued violence that is ableism and that is misogynoir the continued violence that is white now is that yes ableism and misogynoir now, that could be 100% legit or 100% parody of that kind of person. How the heck would you know the difference in the modern world? <sighs> That's just more of your misogynoir coming out. Misogynoir. I thought I'd, I thought I'd heard them all. Hmm. And ableism, by the way. So uh, here's a counterpoint, darling. Uh, you got a big event, say. That there's people of every conceivable race, ethnicity, age, sex, whatever. Uh, they're there. And there's people watching all over the world on the television. Not nearly as many as used to watch, but quite a few. And one guy beats down the other guy. Is it okay if we talk about whether we're comfortable with keep people getting beat down at things like this? I, for one, don't want to see people get beat down at meetings I'm at. I'm anti-getting beat down. Now, am I allowed to say that or no? What if two white guys beat each other bloody? Then can I say, I don't think people should get beat down at meetings. Is that okay? You know, I haven't told that story a little bit ago about how Chris Rock uh, beat a guy down with a brick in a sack in school and like really really damaged the dude and like after that had to get therapy because he was afraid of his own anger and how far he took violence against somebody who had been beating him up he might not be in the best headspace to kick off his comedy tour tonight i mean it's possible the reason he hasn't been seen is not because he was crafting hilarious jokes about this incident is that he went straight to the therapist's couch like all kinds of dealing with getting beaten up as a kid and the fact that he went way overboard the other direction once and who knows where he is headspace-wise. I don't know. I mean, he's he's 57 years old. It's not like he's a kid, but... 
He might also be thinking, man, Will Smith is an a-hole, and that's it. And that's might be it. perfectly fine. I don't know. I saw, I saw some like montage of Will Smith, and and I thought, he's another example of of how we don't have any idea who these people are. They're pretty, and they smile. And, yeah. But we don't know anything about them other beyond that. And we found that out with O.J. Simpson and Tiger Woods and maybe Mel Gibson and I don't know whoever else. Like, you know, you, you get to see them in certain moments and you think, wow, you're completely different than I thought. And the fact that Will Smith did that and then stayed, gave that weird speech, and then was at the parties. Have you seen the videos of him dancing at the parties and singing to his own songs and smiling mm-hmm. and mugging yeah. for the camera? Is that the way you would act if you completely lost your temper and slugged a coworker like an hour earlier? Ah, yeah, committed a, a crime. Seems a little weird to me. Yeah, it does. Absolutely, it does. But to your point, no, we have no idea who these people are. They are products. They are designed and carefully crafted to sell something, a fantasy, a performance, whatever. It's a legit business. Um, But, yeah, the idea that we understand who they are, and I was reminded of something, one of the more interesting little tidbits we've coughed up in recent years um, somebody pointed out that we, the viewing public, tend to credit actors with the qualities of the characters they have played. And so Bruce Willis, for instance, who I, I think, as I recall, was a bit of a tough guy as a younger guy, but I don't know. But I think of him as the character from uh, the, uh, the, uh, the what are you, Die Hard movies. Right. Or, or or his character from Pulp Fiction and stuff like that. He's obviously a guy who's really into the arts. Well, You know, um, he's a theater geek. <laughs> the best example of that would be if you didn't know much about Kiefer Sutherland, his Jack Bauer character from 24. Super hmm. tough guy, hard ass. And he is like way, way, way the other direction <laughs> as a real human being. But Will Smith is smiling happy. He might be a complete a-hole that you wouldn't like anything about if you're around him in real life. I don't know. I don't know that, but he certainly might be. We don't have any idea what these people are like. Well, and then, if you're going to be fair about it, global fame is a a fate that twists even the most sane human beings. Sure, of course. The percentage of people who've dealt with that productively is very, very small. Uh, Right, and Will Smith has been, as like I said yesterday, rich and famous since he was like 18, 19, very young. Right, he's also a guy who can't walk down the street, he can't go out to eat, he can't go to the hardware store, he can't do anything. You know, go about your life tonight, or today, um, thinking about, okay, if I was globally famous, if I was Will Smith famous, what would this experience be like for me? It'll make you nuts, and I'm not defending the guy, I just I try to be a realist about these things. Oh, and throw on a la- la- layer of every single man and woman you have m- run into in your entire adult life has been phony to you for the most part fawns all over you either uh wants you to pay attention to them or wants something from you yeah yeah i would that would make you weird mm-hmm. and that's why it was okay for will smith to hit chris rock according to joe getty apparently wow a, dude i think that's a fair summary of what i just said yes indeed sure okay <laughs> but chris rock is doing his first show tonight he will talk about it it will leak out so can't wait to hear about that tomorrow I think it will leak out. I mean, somebody will come out and tell a reporter, but in the modern comedy world, they make you put your phone in a bag and sometimes sign a piece of paper that says you won't record anything or tell anybody. I don't know. Because it does it does ruin great jokes if right. they're immediately on YouTube, you know, an hour after the show. 
Yes, I think uh, on the back of the tickets to see Chris Rock, it says, put your phone in a bag or Chris will put a brick in a bag. Oof. Oof. Wow, dude. <laughs> we'll have fin- a second wow, dude. Do I go for a third? <laughs> I don't know. We'll finish strong next. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. To fit in what deli core is, the hot new fashion trend. Maybe I will get to that before we run out of time. Okay. All right. Well, gosh, we'll carve out time for deli core. Uh, so I came across this piece in the Washington Post that was about uh, sexting uh, teens sending, uh, you know, semi explicit or explicit pictures to each other and how that really increased during COVID because they couldn't interact yeah. in person as much. It makes perfect sense. I have no idea and, if like half of teens do this or 90% of teens or 5%. Do you? I can't even remember if there were stats like that in this article. There may have been. I know I just, it's, it's what, grown. Sexting is such a clever term 
that I've never known if it's, you know, even, well, like I said, if it's almost everybody or, oh, or uncommon, I have no oh. idea. Well, okay, this is uh, 2018 numbers, and I just said in this article, just said it's grown a lot, but uh, a quarter of teens had received one, about 15% had sent one. A picture? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a sexually explicit picture, nude, semi-nude, hmm. that sort of thing. Um, but that's not why I bring it up, and it's not to you know make jokes about people's body parts, because we're kids talking today. about kids, underage kids. Um, the reason I bring it up is there were a couple aspects of the article I found really interesting, um, and it's talking about how parents ought to handle it. They mentioned if you have Apple devices and family sharing set up, you can turn on alerts in your child's messages app that warn them before sending or receiving nude photos. Photos containing Please. nudity appear blurred before they deliver. Please, when I'm a 14-year-old boy, warn me before I receive a picture of a nude girl, because it would just be... Now, do not want that. I heard that, yeah. And minors get a prompt asking whether they want to view or send the photo, really, or alert a trusted adult instead. So, whatever okay. it takes. You can also set up a content monitoring system, such as Bark. I don't know about Bark, which scans a variety of apps for what it calls worrisome content, such as bullying, depression, suicidal ideation, self-harm, violence, and sexual content, and flags it to parents. Uh, Make sure to disclose to your child what you're monitoring, experts advise. Boy, I feel like this is yet another one of those where, and earlier we were talking about there's no such thing as gender. Boys and girls are exactly the same, or there's no such thing as boys and girls. We're all just humans, and it's a social construct. But i got to feel there's a big difference between the way I feel about my daughter sending pictures of herself naked to a boy as opposed to my boy receiving pictures of a girl naked. Well, it's probably worth noting that the people who espouse the philosophies you just spouted off are idiots and liars and lunatics and should be ignored or shouted down. Anyway, I thought this was interesting. Well, don't you think you have? You've had both. Don't, mm-hmm. don't you feel like it's a bigger deal if if a, if a girl is sending pictures of herself oh, naked as opposed to your boy sending or receiving pictures? Yeah, because the, the big problem is, if this is not obvious to you, that frank, frequently those pictures are forwarded to others or after a breakup sent yeah, about yeah. or whatever. Um, and there's no controlling. Once one person has it, it's like a secret. I got to believe two also, people know it, it's not a secret anymore. I got to believe crank pics are a really a dime a thousand. I mean, just nobody has any interest in them. <laughs> nobody wants them. No, there's no value in them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a penny stock, friends. <laughs> Junk pics. I thought this was interesting, though. Uh, it says, next, help your team set some digital boundaries. Uh, is sexting allowed in your household? Well, if not, what should the consequences be for breaking that rule? And they point out a teenager's brain is different from an adult's, which can make it harder for them to weigh consequences and payoffs, which Jesus, is true. You don't know that. Okay. Yeah. Helping them think through the reasons they want to sext and the potential repercussions will set them up to make better decisions. Of course, this means acknowledging that there are benefits to sexting. This doctor lady noted, it's fun to feel attractive. It's great to get your crush's attention, admire your own body, and see other people's. Validating these feelings is more realistic than pretending they don't exist. That, if you can pull it off, if you have that sort of relationship with your kids or can get it going, that's some damn good parenting. It's a little embarrassing at first, but that's some really good advice. Once you put a name to why you want to do this and put it in the frontal lobe, as opposed to the animal impulse part of your brain, that makes a difference. Yeah, and it's it's quite obviously possible that a uh, God, I don't know, what age do I throw on this for my hypothetical thirteen year old? 
Jeez, I don't know what age have smartphone. But a 14-year-old girl has not thought about the idea that, oh, really, these pictures get around? Yeah, yeah, they'll be everywhere. He's going to show his buddies, or you're going to break up, and then he's going to show his buddies, or put them on, you know, whatever. Um, Because that might not occur to you as a 14-year-old girl in your own little clique of the world. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah, we'll post this at uh, armstrongandgetty.com if you want to uh, check it out, read the whole thing, maybe use it within your own family. And then depending on where you become aware of it in the cycle, you could say we don't allow sexting in this household, but they're just going to figure figure out a way to do it outside of your household, and then you have less awareness. I, I, you know, it depends on what, where you catch it in the cycle, I suppose. It's been going uh, on like, for years. Yeah, I, I think the key aspect is moving it from the the animal part of your brain to the frontal lobe. Have them think through, all right, why do I want to do this? What's the appeal of it? What are the possible hot. repercussions? That's why it's hot. Today, Dad, it's hot. Honey, we're wasting our time lecturing Jack here. Let's move on to our other kids to see if they can comprehend it's hot, it. Dad. <laughs> I don't want the show to be over, but I am ready to listen to the final thoughts from Armstrong again. Yeah. Is there a box I can check that says I'd rather raise kids where there aren't smartphones in the internet? Is there a box hey. I can check for that so that I don't have mm. to even think about this as my 12 year old is screaming toward. A whole new world of interests. Get off grid while there's still time. Here's your your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. There he is, our technical director, Michelangelo. Michael, final thought? Uh, My final thought is simple. I would give anything to be in the audience of the Chris Rock concert as he comes back. I really hope he makes a whole routine out of this. You know, he writes new material all based on this incident. Well, you said you'd give anything. You have to give quadruple about what those tickets were worth a week ago. Young Alex is our behind-the-scenes producer. Alex, final thought? You know, we have a plethora of animals at the house now, and it's finally gotten to the point where my fiance and I have agreed it's time to get a housekeeper and it's time to get the carpets clean. So, first meeting after work, I can't wait for my paycheck to dwindle to nothing. There you go. So it goes. Jack, a final thought for us. I continue to be annoyed by the coverage of the new Florida law that the ridiculous media calls the don't say gay bill. I'm looking at this from the Hill. Florida teacher. I don't want to have to hide my personal life from my students. How many of y'all were aware of the sex life in any way of your teacher when you were in third grade or younger? Come on now. If anybody even mentioned that a teacher had a husband, you were astounded by it because you'd never even thought in <laughs> no, those terms. of course not. And that's a lie from that teacher. It's an absolute lie. What they are promoting is crazy. It's sick. It's perverse. It is grooming your children. You're right to resist it. Do not be cowed into silence. I never got to what Delicor is. Um, What's Delicor? I'll have to mention that in the podcast. We do another little segment after the show called One More Thing, you can get at armstrongandgetty.com. Is it like ham panties? Salami bras? What? Ew. I don't like it when you say that P word. For some reason, that oogs me out. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour (laughs) workday. Panties. So so little time. So many people to thank. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have many delights there for you. See you tomorrow. God bless America. 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Armstrong and Getty. Don't even think. That's why we're here today. I expected more. Let's not go through this again. They're locking up my toothpaste. And that is misogynoir. It's not a bad idea, don't get me wrong. I think it's a, you can put it on the table. This is a beautiful moment. I don't give two craps. Are you sh- there is so much nuance and complexity and layers. How is this sanitary? That's not right. That's not fair. On that high note, thank you all very much. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. Every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.